Welcome back to another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. Today's episode is file 002, Something is Amiss in Oz. Uh, I know you're probably sitting at home going, but Maddie, you said no more Disney. And I did say no more Disney, but you all know me at this point. And this is a good friend of mine, and I could not not have him talk about this movie when we came onto the show. So I want to introduce you all to my good friend, Alex Degger. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, Maddie. It's great, great to be here. It's great to have you here. So we're just going to throw in. Um, and I want you to tell the audience at home why Return to Oz is your, like, nostalgic childhood film. So when I was really little, uh, God, maybe two or three, like, Wizard of Oz was always on repeat. Mm-hmm. And from what I remember, my mom was just desperate to get something else on that wasn't Wizard of Oz. And she was like, oh, Return to Oz. That's cl- it's something different. And <laughs> I don't think she realized at the time how different until I was like screaming about wheelers every night. Yep. But, but I loved it. Like, I... Like... It was on repeat just as much as Wizard of Oz. And I, in many ways, actually enjoy this more than Wizard of Oz in some aspects of how it is as a movie. You know what? It's a perfect way if you're going to do a sequel to, like, like a God-tier classic. Yes. Don't... Like, the best example I can use, because when, like, getting ready for this, I watched Oz the Great and Powerful for the first time. Yeah, and that movie just like tries to be the Wizard of Oz, like has tried to have the same style, tried to have the yep. same visuals, and Return to Oz is like, nah, we're not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. We'll bring up the ruby slippers, but that's about it. Well, and I think something really wonderful about this that we'll, I'll just say in the beginning mm. that Return to Oz, or that um, Oz Great and Powerful, both Disney movies, I would like to reference, they are both released by Walt Disney Pictures because Walt Disney was obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. Like, obsessed. And it was his constant goal in order for them to do their version of the story. He wanted to live up to that style of movie making. And so this is... It's interesting that this happens, you know, 20 years after Walt dies, but it it is it is in tune with the the franchise and the company to have made their own Oz movie. But I think something about this that oddly makes it work in the time, you know, this was released in '85, um, and so something odd, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that this is before anyone had the computer graphics. Like um, Black Cauldron came out the same year, but um, it, uh, 
it, it had a little bit of CG graphics in it, very little, it was very rough. But this, I think something beautiful about this movie is everything's practical. It's all practical effects, it's all practical makeup, it's all practical costumes. Um, there are a couple green screen shots that are very obviously green screen. Um, but I think something that they, when they leaned into this movie, they had to make Oz real and they had to make it out of real things where most of Oz great and powerful is a giant green screen studio. Um, and I think that's really where these two diverge and why this to me works and Oz great and powerful did not work. Mm. I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, I, I don't want to get too much into like the plot before, like, mm-hmm. but, but there's a scene where, where, um, they're riding the gump, which is a moose's head on a mm-hmm. uh, couch and it drops. And I was just literally just thinking like, Oh God, thank God CG wasn't invented. Cause right now this would have been like just a CG disaster. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It would have been some James Corden motion capture nightmare. Mm. Like, I, <laughs> I just and Rebel uh, Wilson popping and locking in the background and eating small children dressed as uh, cockroaches uh, no I'm sorry yeah because I was just going to say Cats, Cats 2019 is much more of a fever dream than this movie is um, but so let's jump in so I just want to I, I want that you, quote in the podcast oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll probably be our pre-show little like lead in <laughs> So what was it? So generations of people all over the world know Wizard of Oz. Um, And Oz is one of the most adapted and used properties. One, because, you know, since the 80s, it has been um, public domain. It it has been in the public domain. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, after this, we saw, you know, there was the, we'll, we'll talk about it as well, the Liza Minnelli ill-fated animated sequel right. that happened before this. Um, but most of the return to Oz stuff, uh, not the return to the Oz franchise and the, the books have all been done through animation other than once upon a time, the Tin Man miniseries and um, uh, uh, Oz Great and Powerful. Oh, and Emerald City. Oh, and Emerald City. I always forget about Emerald City. I don't I, I know think, why, but I, I always forget about everyone forgot about, about Emerald, Emerald City. City, even while it was airing. <laughs> yes. Yo, yeah. Um, what is it about? But you know what's funny? I think a lot of people have never touched the Oz books, but they... I mean, and even we have Wicked. We have, you know, right. a very... And uh, Angelina Weber readapted um, with the new pop score with the original score, uh, a stage adaptation of the original Wizard of Oz. What Ooh. is it... What is it about Wizard of Oz that is so hopeful and so um, almost spiritual for people? What, what makes people like yourself keep coming back to Oz as a franchise? Well, I think... Th- the biggest thing is the the very simple message home brains courage heart like every person can latch onto one of those four things yeah and even even with with return to oz even though the characters motivations are a little bit more not not quite as simple as that you can understand where each character is coming from yeah. So, so I, I think extremely relatable characters, um, mm-hmm. very, s- so I feel like, 
I feel like L. Frank Baum took like what Alice in Wonderland had and then made sense of it. Yeah. Because Alice in Wonderland, it, they're, sometimes they're talking in riddles, and it's like, uh-huh. oh, this is this is a, a sim- symbolic representation of the British government at the time. Alfred <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frank Baum's like, uh, okay, well, we're gonna get her from point one, point A to point B to point right. C. Um, maybe in the in the, the later books, there's a little bit uh, stuff with like um, um, the 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 early women's rights movement. Yeah. But but it isn't like, it isn't like as incomprehensible as Lewis Carroll, right? Well, and I think there's that big difference of there's the accusations that Lewis Carroll wrote most of the uh, you know because there's also only two Alice in Wonderland books. Am I correct right. or am I crazy? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, it's... Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Right, it's just those two. Um, and other people have written <laughs> other things, and Disney again took it and ran with it for good or bad. Um. I don't ever feel myself connect to a single character in Alice in Wonderland. I find Alice Kingston a brat, actually, right. and I don't think she's a great protagonist. And, you know, again, that is because I have not read it. I'm relying on the uh, the Disney adaptation, which I know everyone's screaming. It's like, it's very different. Um, but I also, I tried to read Alice in Wonderland, just didn't find it engaging. Um, where Oz... I think we all connect with Dorothy. Like even people who don't dream as big as Dorothy. Mm. I think, I think we all connect with Dorothy on a very base level. Um, Especially because in the original Oz, how many times have we been told by adults that like, we can't do things or we shouldn't do things or we just need to listen to them or, or, you know, we've been led astray by people like the wizard or, you know, You know, and you even got Greg McGuire where he went, well, what if the Wicked Witch wasn't a Wicked Witch? Like, what if she was actually the hero? And we all went, oh, shit. Okay, let's talk about this. And now if anyone's read Wicked, Dorothy's a bitch. Dorothy's awful. You can tell Greg (laughs) McGuire hates Dorothy. But I, um, I mean, how do you not love Judy Garland? Like, no matter what she plays, she's so warm and inviting and a wonderful character. And then in this Feruza bulk, I think really taps into the restlessness of what it was like for young people in the eighties, because while I think it's interesting that the movie is in the 1890s, but it was made in the 1980s, but a lot of what America specifically was experiencing at the time were paralleled Mm. between development and expansion and a booming economy and all these things that, but you had a lot of people who were like lost and, and young people that didn't want to do what, they were told to do or they didn't want to follow. And so I think there's actually something really interesting about the fact that it was the eighties and it was Disney in the eighties who also had lost their way in the worst kind of way. Um, but also the best kind of way. Cause like, right. I love Tron. I love the horror movies they made at this point. I even love black cauldron, you know? So these are all these movies from, it seems like such a departure of Disney, but this oddly feels really appropriate knowing that like the next movie that would come out would be great mouse detective. And then like Oliver and company, um, to get us to where the franchise would be, um, 
I think this is just an interesting study of that time. Um, and also because I happen to have Rotten Tomatoes up right now. It's like, oh, if you like Return to Oz, let's talk about The Dark Crystal, The NeverEnding Story, The Labyrinth, and The Care Bears movie, all of which were released within a year or two of this movie. Right. Um, and so I think it's really interesting of like this re-exploration of fantasy and journey and self um, in a way that's really accessible. Um, well, that, uh, that's the thing. It, it has such, it grounds itself in such a good way. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I felt like a lot of that fantasy at the time had really good protagonists. But if right. you think about it, who else really had a female protagonist? Like, well, Labyrinth. But this and Labyrinth were, were it. Like, yeah. if you look at um, Black Cauldron, male mm-hmm. protagonist. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, like I know a lot, a lot of people say. Um, I know there's a lot about the feminist theory about the Wizard of Oz, that um, the only people in Oz that have real power are women. Yeah, yeah. And and the 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 ones that are missing something are men. Like yep. e- even if you compare the Wizard to Scarecrow, and I feel yeah. like a lot of that is still in uh in Return to Oz. I agree with you because they're all. Um, you know, Jack is looking for a mother and TikTok needs to constantly be wound up. And, right. um, oh, you said his the name Gump's is literally Lump. ahead. The Gump, the Gump is literally ahead. Like he has to be created by Dorothy. Right. And then, you know, I just kind of cut to this cause I'm actually <clears throat> thinking a lot of people at home have either seen this or have never seen it. Nothing in between. Right. I, I feel like people are like, Meh. but even then, like. It's interesting because I'm staring at the poster, which is the original poster, which has superimposed in the background, Tin Man, Scarecrow, and Cowardly Lion, even though they are in the final three minutes of the film. <laughs> like, they need Dorothy to be unlocked and be saved. Every, right. And even the Gnome King needs something from Dorothy. Mombi needs something from Dorothy. Right. Um, but even among this, it's so interesting that like Mombi has the real power over the Gnome King, but like the Gnome King actually forces Mombi to be so subservient. I mean, we're jumping around a bunch, but yeah, I think this yeah. is a good, sure. I think this is a good way for us to like lead in and just kind of start picking apart. Cause like, Fox, sure. you're a writer, you know, there's, there's so much here that I think is written really beautifully. And as a story goes, I think it checks the A, B, C, D, and then we wrap up in E. Now, right. you know, a lot happens. But I think the story for what it is is pretty concise and straightforward. Mm, yeah. Um, now, you know, we get a little lost of like, but Dorothy has to hit all of these points. And she has to go to each of these places, which right. is exactly what she did in the first Wizard of Oz. Right. Um, so I think let's just jump in. Um and so what are some things that you find as a viewer, as a writer, um, just as like a, a person who loves to read? What do you what are some things for you that right out of the gate that you think this movie does really well? So I, I literally rewatched it last night and the first shot of the movie, it shows Return to Oz and it pans through her window and you see Dorothy laying in bed with like bags under her eyes, like shell shots. Like, just yep. staring out the window. And then um, Ann M comes in and goes, Dorothy, it's one in the morning. You need to sleep. And she's like, I can't sleep. I was like, oh, mood. Yep. <laughs> As I'm watching yep. it at, like, 1230 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, me too. Jeez. Like, 
I, 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 did, I forgot they, they come for me right in the first scene. <laughs> um, they do. They come for all of us right now. But, like, that that's such a, a chance to start with a shell-shocked Dorothy. Yes. Like, like people are like, oh, boy, we're going to see Judy Garland Dorothy again. And instead they get PTSD Dorothy laying in bed. Exactly. Which is also, I think, something you, you use the phrase PTSD, which, you know, we're finally unpacking in a contemporary way that's like, oh, PTSD isn't just for soldiers who went and got shot at a right. war. PTSD is for anybody who has legitimately suffered something very jarring. Right. And while, you know, the aspects of Dorothy being you know, given up by her parents and sent to live with Aunt Em and Uncle Henry and have mm. to be on the farm. Um, Dorothy hadn't really experienced anything terrible before the hurricane. Right. And so this is, you know, an eight-year-old girl. Finally, I think, you know, Oz the first time is her preparing herself for, like, traveling into adulthood. Mm. And she's just kind of so shell-shocked by it. And the fact that she had to kill someone like yeah. all of these things are and like knowing and you know dorothy being i think just her going to oz in the beginning makes her a little magical right it makes her a little more and especially if we're following that idea that like the women of oz have magic um you know which we see in ozma we see in mombi uh we see traditionally even in glinda and and the wicked witch of the west right um i wanted to say alphaba but that's not technically her name <laughs> um even, but, even you know when they have like the exposition at the end it's delivered by one of um one of the the heads that mombi stole yes yes um well it's ah oh, god mombi is such an interesting character i'm really excited yeah. for us to get to her um but I think something for me that's really interesting, and it works because one, again, it's 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 merch. He went mm. in for a very specific. He went in for a very specific. We're going to talk about merch a lot as a director. Oh, oh yeah, because I think you know it's. I was listening. So yeah, it was a little tea little thing. Uh, I messed up technology, and Alex and I have recorded this once before, so this is us having fun and doing this again. But you know, a lot of what is evident to me in the first couple shots is mm. that Merch really knew what he was doing in the, the writers knew what they were doing and they were developing a tone from the very beginning right. of what we would experience. Cause like, even though there's something so romantic about the sepia tones of somewhere over the rainbow and young Judy Garland, where in this, there is mm. a heaviness. There's a doom. There is a darkness that is hanging over them. Mm. And you know, again, it's that idea that by the time we got into the 80s and, um, you know, the 60s and 70s, we had really developed the period, the period accurate costume drama mm. um, between Barry Lyndon and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, um, Great Gatsby, a lot of these things where they really went and did their research as to what the time looked like. So, you know, Wizard of Oz, the original, might as well have taken place in 1929 when they made it. Because, like... Um, you know, it's, it's, it looks like the thirties through their costuming and everything. Like it all just looks like fantasy thirties right? where this feels like, you know, the children having just miniature versions of the adult clothes and we're seeing decay and we're seeing real damage to the farm. And this idea that in that first couple minutes, um, aunt Emma's like never had to have a mortgage in my life. And now we might have to have two to keep the house. 
That's such a real, I mean, cause credit, this was when credit was being developed, like this idea of people living on credit, mm-hmm. um, and, and being able to buy things and paying for it later. Or, you know, this is when you could buy a home from Sears Roebuck, like out of a fucking catalog, you could buy a home and it would be, the wood would all be delivered to you. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. What's Sears? What's Sears? They're close. (laughs) (laughs) There are a couple left. Um, Well, and you know, this was the point where they were developing this idea that you could buy anything via catalog. The world was revolutionizing. We were, I mean, the fact that they're living in Kansas alone is showing industry and expansion. Mm. It is manifest destiny in, in the ways. And so, which again, it's a lot of what the eighties also represented. But I think tonally and visually setting us there from the moment we start is so important. And actually something really subtle that I didn't catch up on the last time, but there is actually a really rough relationship between Dorothy and Toto even. Mm. Toto, Toto's always barking, he's fighting Dorothy. He doesn't want to listen to her, which is really interesting when we get into the movie and he doesn't go to Oz with her mm. um, like he did the first time. Um, you know, and it was also because they needed the chicken. So like the chicken just kind of drops in. We'll get to, we'll get to Bellina soon. <laughs> but you know, I think they are telling us from the beginning that this is a different Oz movie. This is a different version of Dorothy. And so it's this idea that like all the mystery and childhood whimsy of Dorothy rips away when she comes back to Oz, but, but comes it's, back it's, from Oz. It's not even, it's not even just Dorothy. Like when that scene where she's trying to show Anne M the key, that did she yes. found from Oz, and mm-hmm. and M's like that's nothing, whatever, that's nothing, and and you yep. look at Uncle Henry and he's like bundled up on the porch, mm-hmm. and she's like, uh, and and M's like looking at him like sighing, and uh, Dorothy's like, oh his legs broken, she's like, no, his legs been fixed for a while, so so it yeah. shows like the tornado and and like everything that happened from it is not just, it's impacting all three of them, right. And it's also only been a few months, which again, right. you know, they can play with time because time moves differently in Oz. Right. Um, you know, cause that's just an all age old trope of a fantasy, but it is, it's, it's having such an effect on them. Mm. And in some ways it's almost, you almost get a glimmer from aunt M of this idea of like, maybe it wouldn't be the worst idea if we did lose the farm. Mm. Um, and you know, and I think there's something really important by not having the farm hands there anymore. It's only been three months, mm. but those three men kind of kept that farm going with them. But like, suddenly they're not there. And I'm right. assuming it's because they couldn't pay wages. I'm assuming that is why we, we lose the three farm hands. Mm. Um, but I think, across the board we're showing and like M is a very different woman. Now I do know in the books, there's this quote, like on the second page of the original book that was like, M doesn't know how to deal with children. And in fact, she doesn't know how to deal with Dorothy's joy. And so every time Dorothy laughs at Toto, it scares the crap out of on M and she screams <laughs> and like sends Dorothy outside. Cause Dorothy, her happiness is chaotic to M because M got married so young and has been a, a farmer's wife for so long. Right that we're seeing that where that now that she is literally running the farm on her own. And I love that they have her in like period specific clothing, like the double skirting, the giant sleeves, like fucking digging on the farm. It's such an interesting visual 
for they're giving us a lot of keys merch merch as a director is giving us a lot of cues as to the tone of what we're going to experience through the film mm. and i think it really helps if then we get launched into an oz that is even worse shaped than kansas is right so i think it's a really kind of important um important thing well, like for, like how how uh, how oz in the 39 reflects everything that's happening in Kansas there. Yes. This is like yes. the flip of that. Cause you see like the house is in disarray. Um, they, they're like, um, I forgot the doctor's name, but the doctor is like, um, they're, they're becoming more reliant on something else. Like the world is changing basically like him with the electricity it's funny because uh, when when uh, last year I watched it for the first time with my girlfriend Miranda, and she's a, she has a master's degree in psychology, and yeah. as as soon as he comes in and rolls out that electric shock machine, she looked at me and went, "Oh no!" Like she immediately <laughs> knew, yeah. like immediately knew what that meant. Well, and what's something so interesting to think about with that is, yes, we were getting a scientific boom, but there was still no way to like really prove science right. or medicine. And something that most people don't talk about is that the largest crash economically that had happened in America mm. since the early 1800s was in 1893. Right. And so we're seven years after that. And so obviously like and the, the crash of 1893 lasted well past 1898. Um, this is according to uh, ushistory.com. Um, and so it literally... Is, is that the Dust the, Bowl? That is the Dust Bowl. And it's when the president was using his power to only make sure that he was saving like gold reserve, like gold reserves. He was making sure that like anybody who was going out West was only succeeding if they were looking for minerals and for value, any, you know, any of these precious metals. Um, and so, you know, we'd already had the people going West for farming, but now we have the people going West for, um, true expansion and like claiming wealth and taking oil and land. All of these things were starting to happen. Um, but the rest of the country and all those people that moved out just post the civil war. Um, cause you've also got the, the South is just still obliterated from mm. what they put themselves through in the civil war. And it's their own fault. It's not because they gave up slavery. It's because they didn't know how to run an economy. Um, come at me everyone. <laughs> so it's one of those things that I think paralleling, this idea of that the Wizard of Oz came out in in 39, which was the end of, quote unquote, end of the Great Depression. Mm. But it was actually taking place in a time that was still wrapped in an economic depression of itself, which is why the story makes a ton of sense. Mm. Um, also, because like worst case scenario, if something happened to Dorothy at that hospital, that is technically one less mouth that and Henry and M have to worry about like it's and while she's family, it's, it's a really weird double-edged sword yeah. of, of they moved out West for prosper and, and, and money and comfort. And it isn't happening for them much like many, many Americans of the time. Um, and so I think all that is just really interesting. And it's obvious that 
you like it is so obvious to me that this team did their dramaturgy mm. um and did their research which then disney came in and hated because disney's like i don't want a realistic oz film i want judy garland <laughs> you know which is why they fired merch you know we, right? we can get into the history yeah um, you know because this is this is right after literally months after jeffrey katzenberg and um uh, Michael Eisner took over at Disney. Um, this is 20 years after Walt has died. Um, you know, and, and the heads of Disney were really chomping at the bit to get another Oz movie. They didn't know how, but they knew it needed to happen. Mm. And look who showed up out of nowhere. Mm. But, um, you know, Disney had been sitting on the film rights since 1954. Like they'd been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, and it was just before all of the, um, books went public domain. And so, you know, I think they were foreseeing that a lot of other companies were probably going to start doing Oz movies. And from what I remember, from what I looked into, like, so Walt wanted the wizard of Oz to be the follow-up to snow white. Yes. And then MGM bought the rights from underneath him, and he was furious about that. Pissed, pissed. Yeah, and then you don't you you don't outdo Walt Disney. So that man, the man was kind, but he was shrewd. So and then he bought the rights to, I think, if most of the sequels, maybe all of them. Yes, I think there might have been a few that he didn't get, but and then he so then he tried in the fifties to make. The Rainbow Road to Oz, which there's yep. some footage of it online that actually uh-huh. actually got made. It is wild. <laughs> yep. Because um, yep. he made it with the Mouseketeers as the cast. Yeah. And, and it uh, pretty much just became Babes in Toyland, right? Yeah. Well, they basically realized that budget budgetary-wise, it was going to be too expensive. And they had the rights to Babes, so they were like, let's just do that instead. Also, as delightful as Annette Funicello is, she's not a Dorothy Gale. No, 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 so. no. <laughs> the, the clips they have are so weird. I'm sure you can find them online. It's the scarecrow dancing with the patchwork girl. And, like, the lion has become, like, a despot king of Oz. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it I, – I remember – so so when I was a kid – um. um because I was so into Oz, my neighbors gave me this book that was called The World of Oz. Yep. And and it's funny because they have all of this history. So I knew all this history from like a very, very young age. But it's so funny because I found my copy and reread it. So that book came out in 86 as a tie-in to Return to Oz. Ooh. <laughs> and, and, and it's so funny because they're like, Return to Oz, the triumphant return. And I'm like, ooh. There's so much of it that's just like you could tell like was written in sync with Disney. They're like, yeah. first the Wizard of Oz, now Return to Oz, the next family classic, and I'm like, you guys did not see the movie. <laughs> no, well, that's such a Disney thing where they, you know, this is dinosaur all over again. They oh. always think something huge is going to be their next groundbreaker but the thing they don't really invest much time and energy in i.e lion king is their groundbreaker it's their it's their biggest success and it's it's you know we don't need to get into my issues with disney at this point but Uh, you know it's just it's that thing that they do they just fuck it up so hard well at least they still have artemis fowl 
How dare you? How <laughs> sorry, dare sorry, you? Sorry, that was that fran- that franchise is not going anywhere. <laughs> you know what? What could go wrong with Josh Gad having a giant mouth and shitting out dirt? What That's... could go wrong? <laughs> I, I I mean I mean isn't that Josh Gad in every Disney movie? Hey yo, Samantha. Um, I don't know. I like Josh Gad as a lot. No, no. But, you, know. you know you know what? And it, I I saw Beauty and Beast for the first time. He was fine as LeFou. Yeah, I thought he was great. I yeah. thought he was fine. He's yeah. super. I think I think he does the camp thing in a way that's unoffensive, right? Un, like non-offensive, unlike James Corden, who does right. camp in an offensive way, right? Exactly. Like, I never want Disney to touch Wizard of Oz again because I'm terrified James Corden's going to be the Cowardly Lion and I'll oh, eat it. Or the Wizard. Oh. Okay, no, I'm worried Johnny Depp would be the wizard, Ugh. frankly. Well. Um, but do you know what I kind of want, though, is John Mulaney as the Tin Man. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets out of rehab. Or Jack, you know. My know. heart is um, tin. What am I doing? What am I doing, Dorothy? Help me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know if that was a John Mulaney or Judy Garland. It's both. A little it's... bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, obviously this didn't do well in the box office, but you know, it's, uh, it's hard to say why. Now, again, this didn't get a super huge release. Um, it didn't, it got two countries of release, the U S and the UK. Um, did it do better uh, in the UK? Not much. It only did 11.1 million altogether and it cost 28 million. Yeah. Um, it did so it did really poorly in its opening weekend but yeah it just grossed 11.1 million um the interesting thing is like I'm a lot of time things from this time it's actually got a 71% audience rating on rotten tomatoes with the 53% um critic rating and a lot of the poor critic rating can i tell you all came from um 3 years ago like 2018 LA Times, Chicago Tribune, Orlando Sentinel, um, uh, Rachel's Review. It always comes back is. to Orlando, and, doesn't it? Oh, fuck Orlando. <laughs> and then the Santa Cruz Sentinel all gave it rotten reviews in 2018. I'm not sure why they decided to review it in 2018. I'm not sure why. That's when like did Austin 20... awesome, Great and Powerful come out? 2012? Oh, okay. Like a while ago? Hold on, I'm going to look that up. Um um so so it was funny when i was uh looking into i was looking into like more oz stuff um some of the recent oz stuff and it's yep. all a pain in the ass to find there was one yes. called um oh god i forgot what it's called but it's the guy who did book of life he did a wizard oh, of oz yeah. movie but it's a pain in the ass to find because it was made in mexico Oh, yes. But I'm sure it's way better than both animated Oz's oh. we got recently. <laughs> and then apparently there's the Oz show on Amazon, which I won't say anything about the quality, but um, it was Allison Mack's last acting job. Um, before the Nexium call? <laughs> before the Nexium. Well, apparently she was doing it at um, during Nexium, and they found yeah. out and recast her for season two. I was like, man, it always comes back to Colts with Oz, doesn't it? Yeah, what is it called? Oh, wait, no, that's the actual Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it's Amazon Prime. It's something on Prime. It's like 
steampunks of oz or something like that gross anything steampunk i hate um but what's funny yeah uh oz great and powerful was 2013 with a 200 million dollar budget <laughs> but i mean they made about 500 million but like i would say that's but just because of the cast like the cast yeah. is why they did well um and the fact that danny elfman did the whole score um that, that is like the that movie is like the most miscast movie i've ever seen in my life oh well and the f- except for also, michelle williams michelle williams kills as glenda michelle, well because rachel weiss really should have been right Theodora. they could have flipped those 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 that was the thing it, it cribs so much from wicked too yep Oh, yeah, they stole so much from fucking Wicked. Yeah. But, like, didn't steal the right things from Wicked. <laughs> like, um, like it would have been, like, Rachel, like, Anna Kendrick, or not Anna Kendrick, Mila Kunis is, like, Nessa Rose would have been perfect. Like, because she's kind of cold and disconnected. Um, you know, I think it would have been fine. Um, but this is not an Oz great and powerful podcast, but you know, we kind of have to talk about it in order to just compare it because like, right. One again, massively, massively miscast, massively misused money. And that's also with like Sam Raimi, <laughs> Joe Roth as the producer, David Lindsay, a bear who is a Pulitzer prize winning drama writer. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's so it's so hard not to talk about it because it's it's a reflection in the same coin. Mm-hmm, it's it's mm-hmm. it's the prequel and the sequel. Yeah. Well, and they didn't like I don't understand why they didn't go listen, we already have this other Oz movie that has a cult following, right. a huge cult following. It's the only reason why people know it. Um but I think so it's funny because I, I've loved this movie for years and it's been like a movie like I've had to introduce to so many people mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. have been one of the, the few friends or I'm like talk to return to Oz you're like return to Oz we gotta talk about it <laughs> yeah and absolutely um, it's funny because uh, two years ago 2019 I went to FlameCon uh-huh. with my friend Elena and uh, I saw so much return to Oz stuff there like merch pins i well well, well not not official gays. merch yo the gays the gays love it's flame con the gays love return to the us. gays love return to us <laughs> i i had i i don't think i've ever talked return to us with so many people in my life than i did the two and a half hours i was at flame con it's so funny um d- just a weird side note when they I say friends of dorothy it- they mean it they mean friends of Dorothy, Dorothy, Dorothy Gale or Dorothy Spornak. Um, but I didn't know Joey King was the China girl. I had no idea. That's so funny. And Oz great and powerful. That's so funny. Um, that's the thing. There's so much, so many cool ideas there that they just don't. Yeah. Like it just never clicks. I feel like they just took the Oz books, threw it up in the air and grabbed whatever just <laughs> hit the ground together. Like they just ripped them all to pieces. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I think originally Robert Downey Jr. was cast as the wizard. And Johnny Depp. And yeah. Johnny Depp, and they both turned it down. But honestly, Franco, e- either one of them would have, Franco just looked tired and confused. Yeah. And he's a child, like yeah. a literal child. That's the thing is, this is not long before Dorothy drops into Oz. Like, that's the thing is, this takes place 
months before. Well, like, well, well it, it's a little weird because um, you see in the beginning, Michelle Williams shows up to him and she's like, oh, I'm going to go marry John Gale. She's like, there's something else I need to tell you. He's like, I ah, don't worry about it. I think they're implying that that wizard got her pregnant and that the wizard is Dorothy's father. That is actually, so that is a fan theory is, which is, is what they ran with in, well, in Wicked, Alphaba's father is the wizard. Right. Um, uh, cause he was a traveling salesman in Oz. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, the, the wiki says 20 years before, which I guess makes okay. a little bit of sense, but, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but you're also referencing things that are just about to happen. So like, I don't, it's all very weird. And I wish, honestly, this is an example where I wish they had literally just gone back to, um, return to Oz and just pulled some from it. Yeah. Because some of this, so much of this movie is actually really great, and it's spot on. <laughs> I, I bet Walter Marsh isn't returning Disney's calls at this point. Oh, uh, not me. You know what? I also Most don't think they're aren't. calling him. <laughs> no, but you, with that's an example of like you've actually Disney. I don't think has enough people that actually know how to tell good stories mm. or know how to write a good movie. That's not a gimmick movie. Right. Um, and so they don't actually know how to break it down when, unless it's like Taika Waititi, unless they have a good director or and who's giving them a good film. Uh, and then good tour, writers if you will. Actually. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, it, they decide Disney constantly decides they don't want to work with Del Toro and bring garbage like white writers in. And I'm just like, listen, Del Toro could give you a whole other side to your fandom. Oh God. And you're not running Del with Toro's it, wizard like... of Oz would be the wildest thing. It would, but honestly it would be so on key with oh. the source material. It's, it's like why I don't understand why they were like, you know what? We're not going to do Del Toro's haunted mansion. And I'm like, why? What's wrong with you? I feel so bad because every time if you if you go to like Del Toro's Wikipedia page, I'm sure there are so many incomplete incomplete incompleted projects there. Um yep. like it's it's also cuz Disney would rather work with white or eurocentric uh, writers than people who don't necessarily speak English is their first. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking almost like putty writers, like writers they yep. can adjust to fit their style rather yep. than um, them taking like an auteur and like tweaking it a little bit to fit Disney. Well, and it's because Disney wants it. So this is a frozen example. They want to now produce they want the producers. They want all of the money people to help create the movie along the way. Mm. And money people don't know how to tell a fucking story. Broadway is a key example of that. Like, I, I haven't seen the Wreck-It Ralph movies, but I heard that was a lot of the problems with the second one. I actually like the second one better, but Disney's doing this thing and it's my issue with Soul. Not to like spoil soul but i also hated soul so i don't really care um apparently i'm the only one and i'm being told that i'm anti-white because i hate soul um because white people love it and they're so inspired by joe's story but like slag off um i, I mean I, I did like soul a lot but i totally get where you come 
you know, from. Uh, it's very enjoyable. The music and the visuals alone, I will watch. So I'm going to watch Soul over and over and over again. Right. But I, uh, uh, yeah, fuck Tina Fey. <laughs> I hate <laughs> Tina Fey. Um, but sorry, everyone. We're getting, this is a roundabout conversation that I think we need to have about this. But it's this idea that like the 80s and the early 90s were when they kind of let the people still do what they were going to do. But then you had like Jeffrey Katzenberg coming in and going, no, 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 we're going to redo this whole thing. And now they're trying to produce things. I, I in think a way you that legally have called Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, Quibi. Uh, Jeffrey Quibi Katzenberg. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Quibi Katzenberg, deep enemy of the pod. Because um, <laughs> even though we're not a Disney podcast anymore, he's still the deep enemy of the pod. Because just because he oh. made Goofy Movie happen doesn't mean we have to love him. So. <laughs> oh, yuck him. <laughs> Jeffrey, where's my fucking money? <laughs> um, though I sure I'm going to talk about uh, the How to Train Your Dragon movies at some point, which he was very pivotal in, and I'm going to have to say that he's not a deep enemy of the pod because of How to Train Your Dragon, because uh, those movies are delightful. Uh, I, I, um, I feel like Jeffrey Katzenberg as a movie producer is like a broken clock theory. Yeah. Like, oh, it, I, I got one hit. Yeah, it's it's and it's then right twelve hours again, you get another one, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep, it's it's right twice a day. And like, you know, it's those moments of like a couple of the changes to Aladdin actually made Aladdin a better movie, but right. it wasn't for good reasons. It was for homophobic, shitty, anti-AIDS reasons. Like, because he's hateful. Like, <laughs> but you know, this is, it's an example of, you know, Merch got fired and then they had to go beg him to come back because they couldn't figure out how to make this well, movie without him. So he had what, two different studio heads or three different studio heads? Three different studio heads, including George fucking Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like you've got some little actor, you know, director who like people need to come speak up for him. But it's because literally he knew what he was doing way more than any of the people that were calling the shots for this. Right. Like, so, so it's Walter Merch just... did the sound editing for Apocalypse Now. I think he also did the yes. editing for Apocalypse Now. I know he had a hand in one of the Godfathers. He yeah. he helped George Lucas with THX. He'd worked with Spielberg on something. I should have all this. Yeah. But but Oh, it's right in front of me. So it's George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, and Spielberg all stepped up for him. Like because uh, I think he was fired he... for what, three days? Three days and everything fell apart in those three days. Yep. But, and you know, it's just because Disney refused to put money into it. And it was also because he was falling behind schedule. But like, it's because that's what Disney does. They put so much pressure on and they go, cool, this is the shoot schedule. And then they go, no, we need to cut the shoot schedule because we're spending too much money. This is what happens with the theme parks as well. It's so funny because like, if there was ever a time for those three to throw around um, their power... Uh, I think this is when did MGM Studios open? Eighty nine. So, but this is when Spielberg was making Captain EO with Disney. Oh, and Star Tours. Star Tours and was Star right. Tours. So, so Star they, Tours, I think, was when did Star Tours open? I think it was like eighty three or eighty four was the first. Star but Tours. they had a lot of of clout to throw around, especially yeah. those three filmmakers at the time. And merch was like. So they're all really close to merch, and apparently George Lucas also loves Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So the TikTok prop, well, one of them from the movie, George Lucas actually took it, and it's in um, it's in Lucasfilm. I think it's at Skywalker Ranch. 
Because of course when, it is. That's not shocking to me. Whenever people all. whenever people visit, um, uh, I've seen on like DVNR and different places. They're like, I was at Skywalker Ranch for something, and TikTok's just in the middle of like a courtyard. Of course he is. That's so appropriate. Yeah. Um, 1987 was when Star Tours opened. Okay. Okay. So so it was very close to like. But they started developing it in 1980 because it was supposed to be a black hole, uh, an attraction based on the 79 movie, The Black Hole, well, which was Disney's well, first sci-fi Well, like, well how did that work? <laughs> Not well. But yeah, Captain EO would open the next year. So yeah. like they were literally filming EO during this time because it took them months to film EO. Right. So. Well, apparently George Lucas also said, you hire him back. If it really goes south, I will finish directing it. Yeah. And that was that was the 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 deal that he made with Disney. Yeah. So. I, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's nice so, because like, it's nice that they would go this this far for Walter Murch. I mean, Walter Murch did renovate or well, basically, rebuilt sound editing in movies. Yes. Yes. And I know I know that's such uh, like from, from like people just listening to movies. That's such a small thing but you don't understand how much he totally changed sound mixing. Well, and if you listen to this movie, it's a little echoey, like it's a little tin can echoey, right? but you can tell that they developed a different way to record the lines that the actors were saying right. and weren't necessarily having to lay over um, like additional sound editing. And so, but you can also tell with this movie that when they were like, oh yeah, Walter Murch personally helped edit this movie. And I go, yeah, it's obvious he did because he knows how to edit. Yeah. He knows, because how many directors do we have that have no idea how the editing oh. process works and how many movies are built in the editing process? There are so many movies that are destroyed in the editing room too. Yes. Well, because you have Disney does this all the fucking time. This was Jeffrey Katzenberg with Black Cauldron. He was literally going to go to the studio himself and start cutting the reel. Yep. And this is back when you were editing together a movie using reel to reel. Like, yep. it's not like you're just dropping scenes in and out. Like, you physically had to take a fucking scissors to it. Like, and not, and once not, it's gone, it's gone. Not to so bring up Cats lost. 2019 again, but that movie was edited with a weed weed whacker yes it was yes it was and it's so obvious that it was um and uh, you know i think another another part of what i think makes this movie work for me is that they didn't have to do a ton of post-production work right. for the visuals um but yeah so uh, you know all of the, it's it's all very steamy and weird and very dramatic but like why wouldn't disney have dramatic you know, a dramatic. I do think it's funny that Christopher Lloyd at one point was going to play the Gnome King slash Doctor Worley. I think that's very funny, and it would have been a very different Gnome King. I mean, it's funny because like there's nobody known in this movie. But, like, no, like you, you. I feel like at the time that maybe they would have grabbed like one person that you know, but yep. but like, um, I think Piper Laurie might have been like the best known at the time. As, Car- as Carrie's Gene- mom, and I'd say Jean Marsh as well. Jean oh Marsh yeah, she was, was in. She was in Doctor Who, well. wasn't she? Yes, she was. Yes, she was. She was the um um what's her face the uh but up but the other time Ro- lord. What's was her Ronnie? Name? The yeah, she was the she was one of the Ronnies, I believe. Um, 
I'm gonna look that up. But it, but it's so funny because the cast is very much like a UK cast. Yes. Well, and Farouk Balk was no one. She was oh, absolutely oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> this was before the worst witch days. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh yeah, she was Sarah Kingdom in Doctor Who. Um, she was in something else too, but I can't remember. Oh, she. Oh, she's the Morgan. I was correct. She later plays the Morgan. Um, she. Oh, she's played six characters in Doctor Who. Okay. Sarah Kingdom in the Daleks Master Plan. Joanna in she appeared as Joanna Richard oh Richard the Lionheart's sister in the Crusade uh, she played the Morgan in the Battlefield and then she also played Marin Whitefield in the Wishing Beast I feel um, like she was a villain in some was she the villain no she wasn't in Willow I feel like she was a villain in another no. fantasy movie at the time but she was well, she was also in Upstairs Downstairs she oh she was in Willow yes she was in Willow okay yeah, she played uh, the evil. She played an evil queen. Yeah. Yes, you were correct. Wow, that's um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's she, a deep cut. She was married to John Pertwee. Yes, she was the third doctor. That's so weird. Yep. Huh. Um. So sorry, sorry. Well, we I'm, start we start no, Wikipedia during the middle of a recording. We, well, it's because sometimes you have to, because sometimes you got to put the little um, things. Well, and so yeah, you're correct by saying it's a very British cast, right? Um, and I feel okay every time I look at pictures of Feruza Bolt, I feel so bad because she doesn't look not insane in any picture where she's smiling. No, like, like I, and <laughs> but, but I it's also bad, just her face, even but she's so she, good. I, but I feel like that's. Even when she's a kid, she had that, like, yes. she had, uh, again, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on a child, but she has a little no. bit of a crazy smile. Yeah, well, it's because she has a very wide set mouth. Like, yeah. she's just got one of those people that her smile stretches and her eyes are very big. Um, and she's very emotive. Like, yeah. I can't imagine anybody else playing Dorothy in this movie because her eyes get so big. And she, for a child does beautiful beautiful character work oh, like she really yeah. got dorothy like she really yeah. gets it yeah well it's so funny because most of the movie she's not talking to anyone no it's it's a it's a pumpkin head or, or a robot or an animatronic chicken i'm sure yep. there's there's someone off offset feeding lines but but it's not there's no one she's acting off of right right I do know she got very close with Michael Sundin, who was the body of TikTok. Um, he was he was in he was in uh, aerobicist or contortionist contortionist, right? Yes, yeah, he was a contortionist, yeah, and he dancer. I believe he was a Fosse dancer. I think he, he was. I think he was a host on Blue Peter too for a while. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Uh, Blue Peter, very famous British kids show that's just still going on to yeah. this day. Um, um so so I, I know, so I I feel like he's really interesting because like. So I believe he got fired from Blue Peter because it came out that he was um, sleeping with men or it. Yes. I, I, I don't know if it was a relationship or it was just like sleeping around. But like, well, and this was during, was like, during no, no judgment, ob obviously. No, 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 no. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was during the AIDS crisis and people were handling it in a very 
not great manner. Right. And so, you know, that was very common for the time. You mean, you have any, even had people on Broadway who were being fired in the eighties for being gay, like, come on, like there is not a gayer place than Broadway. Um, uh, except when James Corden's around the, 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 the the gayest place is his car after the show. Sorry, James. Uh, you're now an enemy of the pod. Sorry. I used to love you. We were um, going to do carpool karaoke, but I guess not. Yeah. Mm, sorry, James. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. But I also think it's a really small cast, too. Like a really small oh, cast. Oh, yeah. With the exception of like the ensemble at the end when when um they, they restore everybody at the Emerald City and the like 12 wheelers. It's, you know, most of these scenes are three or four people. Like, this is actually a great, this would have been a great movie to make during COVID because you got nobody oh. in these scenes together. Yeah. Um, but but... I, I appreciate that because there's so, like, mm-hmm. so last year I watched like 400 movies because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And God, I, I really got to, under the under my skin when there's so many characters that they don't need to be there. Yes. Like, like this movie trims the character fat. Yeah. Like if a character is there, it'll either prove why they're there or they're, they become necessary in some, in some part. Absolutely. Um, Like it's, it's just so efficient. It's so nice. I think, I think it is efficient. I also think the story is efficient in the way Mm. we clip through the story in a very quick way. And we don't, dawdle unless we need to right um because like we're only in mombi's palace for 12 minutes maybe like and you they do a lot and like let me tell so i want to talk a second about something else that i this crew is so smart Mm. and it's such a well one continuity in this movie is really good um and uh, because i'm a continuity snob and snob and i always watch for those things but they filmed in a fucking room of mirrors, and at no point did I catch a single fucking crew member in said mirrors. You don't see like puppeteers. You don't see no nope. cameramen. You don't see anything. And I'm like, I, I still don't know how the hell they did that. I, you know, I, that's that's the you know, it's it's so good, and I think the co- the costumes sell this move for me in a way that they didn't in the original movie. Cause right. like, Oh, it's so beautiful in 1930s. And like the fashion is great, but like this takes like fucking when me, we meet Mombi and she's in a literal Skeksis costume, <laughs> like with a woman's hat, but like it's just, on a mandolin. Yeah. Okay. I don't fucking get it. I was like, <laughs> Stevie Nicks should have played this role. Where was Stevie Nicks? Oh, here we like, go again. Um, well, you know that would have been that if we were to make this movie now, all of Mombi's heads would be celebrity, uh, like um, cameos. Oh God, help us, Re- Rebel Wilson head. Stop it! It would oh Melissa, but like I feel like they would cast like Melissa McCarthy or someone as Mombi, and I would hate it. Um, when really it, need, it would need to be like an Angelina Jolie or, or, um, so, someone a little wiry, you know what I mean? Like a little wiry, but also older because there's a vanity to Mombi that like, she's getting right. these heads that are just young enough, just old enough. And she's got her, you know, arguably the oldest head that she wears, which is the actress who also plays the nurse, um, is the, like her original head that she keeps tucked away right. with like the, 
Uh, also, Kate Bush could have played Mombi and it would have been great. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like Mombi, when she's got the big hair and she's going to the Gnome King, it looks like a scene out of a Kate Bush music video. <laughs> like, um, but I think it's all so smart and like, like TikTok at all times always looked chrome in like the best ways, but like right. they kept him dirty enough that like we don't get a reflection of anything else. Um, and even the like special effects graphics that you need for Ozma, I think were handled really beautifully. Um, so there's nothing for me where I go, oh, that's rough. Because even like doing, I love practical makeup. So anytime now people use practical makeup, but like, let's talk about the Gnome King oh. for a second. Because like, he's actually a really shitty character. Like, I don't love him. He's like the weakest character in this for me, but I right. get his point. Um but I just love that he's like this man and they're like, he's still in heels. Look at those emerald slippers or look at those ruby slippers. <laughs> look at you. And he like points his little toes out. And I was like, queen, you are a gay, 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 gay. No, queen, gay, canonically gay. Mombi. <laughs> or have you, <laughs> have you seen that TikTok trend right now? That's like every group of friends has <laughs> the mean bisexual <laughs> the straight on thin ice, the he, they, she, days. Uh, if, if this were that mommy's the even meaner lesbian, like, <laughs> like it's, You're not wrong. it's so fun. It's it was, like, I actually might have to do a return to Oz. One of these now for the TikTok. Um, um, Oh God, I wish someone had an actual TikTok puppet. Cause how fun would that be to have a TikTok channel of TikTok doing TikTok trends? I, th I think that's too meta. I think it's one level it's, too meta, but I'm in for oh, it. Come on. I'm in. I'm TikTok in. is the most meta thing ever. Like, um, God, I'm just, I'm bad today. I'm jumping all around today. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. We're like, fun. An, we're an hour and 15 in and I've just been screaming. Into oh the my God. All day. But I, think that, I just think that's where we are in the world. Um, we're putting the capital yeah. ADD into ADD. Yes, we. I mean, if there's anybody more ADHD than you and I, I can't. I can't. Ooh, shiny. Um, but I think, I you know, there's just so much for this movie that's right. Like they right. just, honestly, I think they get it right, and it's oh. obvious that fans also kind of agree. And while it is bumpy, it's not perfect. Um, it's one that I always encourage people to go back and like have give a second chance for. Yeah, because well, um. Like, there's so much. Like, the stop motion is beautiful. It's so good. Um, it's so good. And I love... Well, oh, sorry. This is what we were talking about before. The slow change in that one single scene of the the Gnome King. It's a quick flash of blackout, and then he's suddenly more human right. each time. And, like, it's handled so well. Like, right. it's so good. The only thing I don't love with him, I think, is the scene where he starts ripping his treasure trove apart, which I don't understand like the maze yeah. and he's getting much bigger. Cause I was like, okay, if you could get bigger this whole time, why didn't you just get bigger? Like, that's my thing is I get that. He's like trapped in the mountain, but I, like, why not then become the mountain? I, I love, like, why I love not... that they just have a couple lines just like, why she's like why are you doing this? This is crazy. Oh, because it's more fun this way. And then they just cut away. I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess that's, I, I mean, like, I, I guess that's something. <laughs> it's the bare yeah. minimum. Like to me, I don't like, 
our modern, well, maybe by the time this has come out, Joe Biden will have been inaugurated as president. Thank fucking God. But there's so many times that I look at this and I go, please tell me why Mombi is obviously like Betsy DeVos. And like, (laughs) like, it's just one of those things there. They're fucking up Oz just so that they can have power. Right. And they don't care if there's literally no one else around. Right. Like even though the wheelers are really scary, it's one of those things. It's they like have, Oz. They, see, the, the coolest thing with um, they adapted, they, they kind of adapted this from the book. Like when the wheelers always threaten Dorothy in the book, I think there was this. No, it's it's um, Ozma because it was the third book. It's Ozma from Oz, yeah. Yeah, but they threaten her, and she's like, "You have no power." Like the same thing when they try yeah. to like, "We're gonna chop you up and throw you in the deadly desert." You have no arms. How the hell are you gonna chop anything? And it's funny that one of them actually crumbles to dust in the deadly yeah. desert, like. You know, but I love that we got to see the Deadly Desert. I love that we explored more of Oz, though. I would have liked to see the only thing for me that doesn't necessarily check out, but it's because I have not read the next two books. Right. Where are all the other people? Like, where are all the Winkies? Like, the Winkies got free when the Wicked Witch was killed. So, like, where are all the Winkies? Where are the... Where literally are the Munchkins? Because they don't explain where everybody is. Everybody's just gone. I I, I feel like... I feel like a lot of it is rights. Like, she could say Munchkins. Oh, yeah. Because... so, So, they didn't have... They paid MGM, like, an exuberant amount of money for the the Ruby Ruby Slippers. Slippers. Yeah. And I think... I understand why they did it because at that point the ruby slippers are so con- like think of think if if he pulled those shoes up and had silver shoes underneath it doesn't have <gasps> oh, that same punch. The world would have the world would have been like fuck you guys and I'm like well fuck MGM for changing it to begin with but okay uh, I, I mean I, I I get why the Technicolor oh I did too yes for Technicolor absolutely red, red looks a hell of a lot better than silver with that brightness and think of the iconography. Right. Yes. Well, yeah, there's nothing more iconic than the Ruby slippers. Right. Like when you think film icons, it's like that and the Terminator, right. <laughs> the Death Star, you know, it's, it's of the same, it's that same thing. But again, it was also, I think they were trying to cut back on as many people that they would need. Sure. But I, I kind of wanted it in the way, cause like Narnia existed at this point. Right. And Mombi and the Ice Queen have a lot in common. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, you're right. There was a lot of overlap. And, well, I mean, especially you know, there's movie only... version of Mombi. Yes, movie version of Mombi. And, well, and, you know, it's also a lot like the Evil Queen from Snow White. Like, right. you know, female archetypal villains are done in three ways, and that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would have loved to seen people frozen the whole way. Because, like, we also don't see. It's referenced that I'm guessing the gnome, the gnome king just fucked up the yellow brick road, and that's why it's like risen in the middle. Right. Um, but there's a lot of what happens to Oz that, again, because we don't have a lot of time in between, but, we don't. But I think that's also more terrifying. You don't know right. exactly. The fact that we exact, don't know. Right. Yeah. Because there's so many movies like Oz the Great Powerful held your hand the entire time. You see the yeah. the Ruby uh, like. Everyone at that point had such a sentimental attachment to the yellow brick road. You turn around, yeah. see it ripped to shit. You're just like, yeah. what the hell is happening? 
Uh, well, and I love that we see the the cabin too. I think that for me was the one of the most important things. Yeah. It's like this is where I landed. Though, this this was though a, I question though ahead. I question. I was like, how does the sorry the cabin exist in both worlds? That's my one thing. I go, how is that? Well, possible? so 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 in the beginning of Return, they did say the house was gone. Right. So 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 they are definitely when when I say it's a sequel to to Wizard. They they are playing with it a little bit. Yeah, but because it's not the I mean, same house. Half... It's it's because you see oh, him okay. working on it in in the well, beginning I of thought, Return. I, I thought that like half the house still existed, like half of it. So then I guess for me it was like half is in Oz, half is in the world, much like Dorothy. Right. Is okay. Still I see that half and half. Yeah. Um. But. You know, they're just little things. Again, I, I, any tweak I would give it, it's because I haven't read the books. And so now right. I think I'm going to have to, I, maybe that's my 2021 thing is I'm going to read all the Oz books because there are a lot of them. They they take <laughs> a lot. Uh, it's weird because Land of Oz is very much, um, th- that's, that's the sequel to Wizard of Oz. It's the second book. Dorothy's not in it at all. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the protagonist, like, I don't know if you want me to spoil. I mean, it's a hundred-year-old book okay. series. I think I'm fine. <laughs> but the, the protagonist is this boy named Tip, who was Mombi's slave. <gasps> oh, yes, I know all about Tip, yes. And then yes, at yes, the yes. end, they're like, Tip, you're Ozma. And he's like, will I still be a boy? Will, like, you still love me? Will you all be my friend if I if I become a girl? And they're like, yeah. Um, and then when there's a beautiful scene where Tim becomes Ozma and they're like, they all just look at him and, and Jack Jack's in the movie and in the book is kind of an idiot. Yeah. And, and so the whole, the whole, right. He's literally a pumpkin head. Like the whole time they're like, Oh my God, his seeds must be bad because he's just like, but an Ozma sitting there goes, I'm the same as I ever was, but, 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 and Jack looks there and goes, but different. And and then they they put like a beautiful quote and said and that was the wisest thing Jack ever said. And I was like, oh, 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 that's really cute. But but it's that's such like an early like I don't want to say a trans story, but that could easily right. be. A, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if we've got some very well well skilled queer writers out there right. crafting a. That could Crafting run with a that version of yeah, yeah. So so like, there there has been like so much LGBT coding in Oz from like the get go. Oh yes. Uh, like I know people run with the with the with um with the thirty nine movie, but that um Land of Oz I think was nineteen oh two. Yeah. And even even the whole the so. whole the whole um. The whole Dorothy story in the beginning, uh, just accepting, uh, well, um, being separate from the thirty-nine movie, like yes. like her journey. Yeah, no, no, I agree. No, yeah, I agree, and I think that, I think it does work. But I also, you know, that's also queer people. We've had to project ourselves into stories for years because. Right. Um, also just for all of our listeners out there on Amazon, I don't like supporting them, but the, it's called the hundred copy collectors edition, which is 
Um, it's a giant brown leather bound. It's the entire complete works of Wizard of Oz is available hardcover for $62 or for a dollar on Kindle, and it's free on audible. So you can listen to all of them and it is, it is all of them. Yeah. It's wonderful so, wizard, marvelous land, Ozma, Dorothy and the wizard of it in Oz. It's all of them. So, 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 so they're all in the public domain. A lot of times people will throw up free Kindle copies up there. So yeah. if you are curious, uh, ever do want to read it and want to see like the original art, because that that's something we didn't really touch on. Return to Oz takes like the art from John R. Neal, who did every yeah. he did book two through, well he did book two through fourteen of um of Baum's books, but then he stayed on. I think he did up to like the thirties with different authors. Yeah. Um, but. You see his Tidman and his Scarecrow and his Jack Pumpkinhead, and that's exactly what they put on the screen for for uh, for Return. Well, because you know it was also a very bold choice of them. Now I'm sure they had to visually for copyright reasons, right? But not having the Tin Man, Scarecrow, or Cowardly Lion look like the 39 versions, right? Um, but I prefer a weird puppet version of them anyway. Yeah. Um, that Tin Man, that, that Tin I, Man looks so good, and I wish we got to see more of it. I agree. I absolutely agree. But I'm wondering if it was a puppeteering cost. Or, I I, I think it was a puppeteering issue because um yes in, in that in that World of Oz book that I read from the 80s, they show that basically like the bottom of the Tin Man didn't exist. <laughs> like oh they had um wow. they had Deep Roy um uh-huh. who who was uh who's a little person um oh yes. Yeah, he um, he was he all the Oompa-Loompas. Tr- yep, and he was in Chronicles of Narnia. Right, like, he's had an amazing career. But I think his first job ever was the Tin Man, in Return to Oz. But they, oh, wow. but they had him under the suit moving. That's like whenever you see the 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 Tin Woodsman or Tin Man moving, um, mm. you never see the like torso down. Oh like, yeah, like something's always blocking it. That's so funny. Yeah. It's also, I, I do love that when they have that celebration at the end, they mm-hmm. just went crazy. They were like, all right, what Oz characters we have the rights to everyone. Yeah. We're bringing everyone in. And, oh yeah. And they're all just background characters, but yep. you see like, like, um, uh, like a frog. Um, oh my God. I forgot the guy's name, but he's a, he's a giant frog. You see the patchwork mm-hmm. girl. The Polychrome, mm-hmm. the Rainbow's Daughter, like all these very obscure Oz characters. Yeah. Which I, you know, I think it's important for anybody that had read it. But what's interesting is because they had to reshoot that scene twice. Right. Well, they, because Ozma was in gold and silver and they were like, huh, maybe this isn't going to look as good. Slash, maybe she shouldn't be in gold and silver. Oh, well, they also, um, they also dubbed her over completely too. Yes, they did with Merch's daughter who right. never got credit for actually doing it. But it's because Disney wanted her to sound American, yeah. not British, well, which I think is also a very Disney fucking thing to do. I, I, uh, I, it's funny because I've seen that. That actress has, she used to be like a big like socialite in like, uh-huh. like the 90s and 80s. But now she loves to do interviews now. And, and she has such a high pitch. pitch. Like if you could like... If if a British cartoon showed up, out of Mary Poppins, that's like the kind of voice she has. Ah, uh, interesting. Okay. And 
I'm I'm not saying anything against it, obviously, but it, right. but I'm like that would have been a very different choice, L- yeah. like a high pitch British, British Ozma. Like, I I feel really bad they dubbed her over, but I also I I get both sides. Yes, yeah. I mean that is something that happens pretty commonly. Um, well, with, she's Cockney. Uh, That's those. what I'm trying to say. She's Cockney. Oh, she's Cockney. Yeah, and that doesn't work at all for, right? For um, when you're for when you're, um, for when you're playing a leader of a, a fairy tale country, they're not really gonna want. Hello, Dad Dolphy. Oh no, Dolphy. <laughs> Mary Poppins! <laughs> Might as well just be Dick Van Dyke. Oh, I mean, could you imagine God, Dick it... Van Dyke is Ozma at this point? <laughs> That'd be so Hello, Mary Poppins! Man. Oh my God. It's so funny because I hadn't watched that movie in years. And I watched, I think I flipped it on Disney Plus or something uh, last year. And like when he starts talking, I'm like, oh man, I forgot how bad that accent is. Oh like, I'm, yeah, I'm not absolutely. taking that movie. That movie's obviously a classic, but... Boy, that accent is wild. It it it, it absolutely <laughs> it like, goes all uh, over the goddamn place. Yeah, I oh my god. So, Alex, is there anything for you that doesn't work in this film? I know we've been talking about things we really love, sure. but is there anything that you just think doesn't work or you would have loved to see done differently? I I feel like uh, a a lot um the scene where Dorothy is taken into the Gnome King's mountain and she's just the one scene you can clearly tell is done on green screen was just like a bunch of eighties yeah. it looks like an eighties kaleidoscope of emeralds behind her. Yes. And the Gnome King's just narrating. I feel like that's when you see like the technological um limits to what this movie could do. Yes. I feel like maybe they could have tightened that up a little bit. A, a lot of the mo- problems I have were were problems. It wasn't story or it's technical problems making their lives harder. So they had to like mm-hmm. snip it because they wanted yeah. the scarecrow to have a more active role at the end, but the face wasn't working right. So right. so so when whenever he has to switch emotions, they just they just switch scenes. Well, like. like because he, but most of the time he has like a dopey looking smile on his face, and there's one scene where he has to look scared, and they just, they just pan away and look back on his face, and it, you could tell it's just a different, a different bag they threw on his head. Uh, which I love that puppet or the 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 head. Oh, I oh, it's think, beautiful. I think it looks so good. Like I never want a human face scarecrow again. I always want like an audiomatronic. But I feel like also um, the guy who did the physicality for the scarecrow, like got it down. Like his yeah. arms are all twisted, his legs were flopping all over the place. Could you imagine if they'd partnered with Henson for this? Well, so they did. Well, I, I meant like Oh, well, in the way that they did like, like a labyrinth for... or a dark crystal. Well, or like they did with Ninja Turtles when Henson gotcha. did those, that first Ninja Turtles costume. Cause like, to me, that's the kind of technology that makes those, all those characters work well. And they just didn't like, I know Henson did it, which it's right. obvious. So, so we, it's we, obvious, but 
No, we didn't, Sorry, go ahead. No, no problem. We we didn't get too much into this, but um, Jack is puppeteered and voiced by Brian Henson, yep. who was Jim Henson's son, who, who, and also he, he later directed Muppet Christmas Carol and, uh, and Muppet, Treasure Muppet, Muppet Treasure Island. Yep. But but you could tell because the puppeteering, the, the transition between the puppet, so it's half the time it's a puppet and half the time it's an actor in a suit. Yeah. But it is it is like seamless. Yes. I mean, and that's when you bring the excellence of someone like Brian Henson who has grown up with it his whole life. Right. Like. Like uh, I I feel like that was like how um they brought Frank Oz into Star Wars. Yes. Oh God, I can't imagine Yoda without Frank. Right. At all. Right, because they they asked Jim, and I'm sure they asked Jim for this too, and he said, "I can't do this, but my son's available." Right. Same same yeah, thing I with believe, Empire. I believe the first time when we talked about this, it was just that Jim was far because uh, they were doing Muppet Muppets Take Manhattan at this point, and so they he had were a lot super on his plate. Busy. Yeah, he. Never mind. I was about to make a really terrible joke, but I'm not going to. Um, well, and he was. Well, what's funny is he had. This was the point that they were starting their kind of spotty relationship with Disney, right? Because they would start producing um, Muppet Vision a few years after this, and that was the last Muppet thing that Jim did. Um, and this is when Disney, you know, was trying to bring muppets into the fold and they wanted to buy muppets out and jim was like i'm exhausted let's let him do it and then jim died um yeah i, then, I mean you think then... you think 80, 85 86 how many muppet not not even muppet how many henson projects were yep how many plates mm-hmm. were spinning at the time Mm-hmm. because muppet show had just ended and fraggle rock doing just started fraggle rock uh they i believe muppet babies animated it started at this point um the 80s oh uh you had storyteller right jim uh i believe the jim henson hour yeah jim henson hour i believe the 80s muppet show had started the nbc one had started oh yeah i forgot what that was called it's not muppets um is it muppets tonight no no muppets tonight is from the 90s uh, that was the ABC Muppet Show in the '90s, I believe. I, I know there was tonight. a Muppet Show around that time, yeah. but I forgot what it was um, called. It was like him, Bean Bunny, and like yes. it was like a whole bunch of odd ducks because Frank Oz was doing other stuff. Yeah, well, and you know, it's it's it, so if anybody is really interested, because I could also talk Muppets for hours. Right. Um, Defunct Land did an amazing history of Muppets through television. It is a five part series that ends with Jim's funeral. Oh, um, it, it is it, guttural. It is, it is heartbreaking. You will cry. You um, will cry at least once. There's no way because they show most of the wake, which was televised. Yeah. Which I. But then knowing that Michael Eisner literally cornered Brian at the goddamn like celebration of Jim's life and was like, so we doing this? And Brian was like, could I grieve, please? Fuck off. (laughs) Uh, But that's the most Michael Eisner thing ever. It's so funny because like the the original copy of like Return to Oz I had was like a taped off TV copy. Uh And I think it was... um, what what was it ABC used to do? It was like the Friday night movie or like... Yeah, Friday night movies, yeah. Well, they had Friday night movie and it, and it had an opening with Michael Eisner. This is, yeah. this is Oz and I had such a big hand in this. I was like, you didn't do anything. 
He has no his name is nowhere in this fucking article. But because, nowhere. But because of that five minute introduction he said he's like, Oh, oh, Michael Eisner presents Return to Oz. Yeah. Michael Eisner sucks. Well, and it's because he was really He's the real he enemy. Really cared about He's the real enemy. Well, I mean, Michael Eisner is why we now have Bob Chapek running the fucking company <sighs> and Bob Iger gets to sit back and be good old Bo- Uncle Bob. Meanwhile, they're both taking $65 million salaries when they've laid off 45,000 cast members, including Imagineers. Joe Rody just fucking retired. Like, I, I want nothing but the worst for fucking Disney in the future like if that company bubbled and went under i would be so happy at this so, point so so but this opinion could cost me my job so like whatever but so what you're saying yeah. is that disney's okay disney's fine whatever. <laughs> it's fine it's whatever <laughs> um as listen as long as et's dark ride is still open at universal studios florida i'm fine as long as i can go ride et cry it's fine um uh, but yeah, it's it's obviously that it's also obvious that Disney wanted to do an Oz film without putting the work into it. Right. Like they didn't want to put the money or work into it. And I was like, how the fuck did you know? Like how I don't understand how you expect to make these movies and these products, but not put money or time into it. It's, like I just don't. And it's so weird when you look at like the, the stuff they made around it. Like, there were, like, Return to Oz storybooks. There were Return to Oz hand mm-hmm. puppets. I think that's all they made toy-wise. Yep. And uh, they were part of the electrical, Main Street Electrical Parade. Yes, they were. Uh, I think they had, uh, a, I believe... they had a full float, right? They did. Uh, and I believe it still existed in the last version of um, the Japanese e- uh, ELP. Uh, I, I know the, someone, they someone had one in Disney that. World, but then, or it, it was either World or Land. But then when the fire, the fire wiped it out. Yep. Yep. Well, okay, never mind. I'm gonna leave that opinion to myself. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for anybody who wants to, Tops Trading Cards did a uh, stick bubble gum and <laughs> six card packs. You can get them for a dollar forty nine on eBay. Buy it now. Chew the gum. Um, uh, let Matt know how it is. Chew, chew the gum and tell me how Mombi's doing. Like <laughs> I feel. <laughs> I feel like you'll, yeah, be, you'll right. be returning to Oz after that. Uh, you'll also be returning to your bathroom. Um, <laughs> slash, I feel like your colon won't work again. Um, yeah, you are correct, Alex. Because I, you know, I'm a purveyor of eBay. I love my fucking eBay and blah blah blah. God, God um, help you. I, yeah. I re- search Return to Oz on like a monthly basis. There's like nothing. I almost got you Return to Oz the trading card sealed trading cards last year for Christmas, but I decided you needed a, a Hamburglar Christmas instead. <laughs> it, it, it was very good. It was, It'd be it funny because I'll open drawers and I'll be like. Where did I get a Hamburglar a, a teddy bear from? I was like, Matt. Me. me. <laughs> it, it was the same time I started my grimace obsession this time last year. So, you, you know what's now. funny? There's there's somebody online um made all these 3D printed Wizard of o- Return to Oz toys. Oh. I see I see them on eBay. They actually look pretty good. I would love that. But they're. It, I, I mean, he literally made the entire cast for $150, which isn't ridiculous. 
I'm they all really, look can pretty I good, what, too. What I really fucking want is um, a Mombi doll with changeable heads. Well, I, I feel like you could just get a pizzazz doll and, and it, it alter it slightly. <laughs> it's true. I probably could. Honestly, we have so many great dolls in the world that I feel like it, it would take no time to put together... <laughs> um, <laughs> Though what I am finding is apparently I feel Disney like somebody's going to Di- walk in your room and you're swapping heads out. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if we can it's get there thing. to the point where it's an Oz thing, you wouldn't understand. Apparently Disney did give out vintage pinback pins and they go for a lot of money on eBay. So if anybody has one and wants to send them to me and Alex, I would love to not spend $16 on one. I think the only thing um, left Disney-wise, I think, is in Disneyland Paris. They have the Emerald City. Yes, they do. Mm, I don't know if they've still got it anymore. Uh, but but I, but from what I heard, they have little tiny versions of Dorothy Cowardly Lion, Scarecrow, and Tin Man in return to Oz form outside there. So it is, it is in, um, it's in their, their storybook circus area from what I'm seeing. It's like their, um, it's the storybook lagoon from Disneyland. And there is the Emerald city is in that, uh, you, you, you go down through the storybook storybook land canal. There is Emerald city for, and then there's tiny, Tiny versions of them are in that. I'm looking at pictures right now, and we'll put it up on the social media uh, when this episode comes out. Yeah, and it looks really nifty, actually. Well, because what's interesting is Universal Studios Tokyo had a whole Wizard of Oz area about 10 years ago Hmm. that they opened, and it only had one ride in it. And if you went up to the Emerald City um, Castle, you could see a 45-minute version of Wicked in English and Japanese. That's awesome. Because Universal owns Wicked. So, so uh, like, a big secret for me is I've never seen Wicked. And, oh, and yeah. I know very little about Wicked because I've always wanted to see it on Broadway. Uh-huh. Like, whenever I see the book, I'm like, no, I must wait. Yeah, also don't read the book. <laughs> I, 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 I've heard it's fine. It's fine. There's just a lot of really graphic things that don't oh. need to happen. There's a lot of Gregory Gregory Maguire loves to do trauma to women. Like it's all of his books are fucking trauma porn. Um, you know, what I actually heard was a good version. Um, I did. I didn't read the Dorothy Must Die series, but I heard that was a good. <gasps> I've heard they're phenomenal. They it's constantly uh, Danielle Page. To me. I think wrote them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Alex, what else about this movie? Is there anything else that you think just doesn't work? Um, um that you wish they could have tweaked a little or done a little bit different? I, I'm too close to it. <laughs> I'm too close yeah. to the middle of that cyclone. Um, I feel like, uh, again, like they could have maybe explored the original trio a little bit more, mm-hmm. had them more than just like cameos. But but I feel like if you do that, it it almost takes away from the the new trio. Yeah. Um. Like so, we didn't talk about this, but um. There's a lot of weird Oz stuff that 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 took place between, between thirty nine and eighty six. Yeah. That shows like where it could have really gone awry. Like I know last time we recorded, we talked a lot about the Wiz. 
Oh yes, the yes, absolutely, the Wiz, which I actually love the Wiz. So so um, I I love the the Wiz Broadway musical, and I love NBC's live recording of it. That's one of the best. I things. hate I hate the movie. The movie's the terrible. Movie's not good. The, movie's, the movie is not good. And you talk about talk about floundering a cast. That cast is like <sighs> is like so good, and everyone is either miscast or misused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that a thousand percent. Also, we we talked about this a little bit. So, in '74, um, they did Journey Back to Oz. Yes. Which is uh, starring Liza Minnelli, who's Judy Garland's daughter. Um, and it Margaret is Ham- Margaret Hamilton's and in the, it as Anne M. Yeah. Who's the original, who's the original Wicked Witch of the West? If, if anybody has lived under a rock, um, Mickey Rooney's there as, as, uh, as the scarecrow. And he had, he was like one of Judy Garland's best friends. They were co-stars yes. and all sorts of stuff. That movie was really a love letter to Judy, but didn't it also take them like 20 years to make? Right. So they recorded it. I think when they recorded it, Judy Garland was still alive. Yeah. And then when they finally got enough money to animate it, it was not, um, it was in the seventies, but I think they recorded it in the sixties. Cause I know, um, when Liza Minnelli recorded it, she was a teenager. And then when she found out they were actually like putting it into production, she goes, can I please re-record that? I'm not satisfied with. Yeah. And they're like, no, because when you were, I think she was 14 or 15 when he recorded it, she sounded exactly like her mom. Like she sings a song in the beginning, far away land, which is there like under the rainbow or over the rainbow. Yeah. And it is, if I didn't tell you it was Eliza, you'd be like, Whoa. So I got Judy Garland to record a couple more. Cause, cause it is like, it is there voice wise. Um, so like, it's so, for me, with so much of this weird, oh, there's also, so Rankin Bass did this version of, of Return to Oz. Yes, I was literally just about to ask you about that because it's <laughs> popping up on eBay a ton. So uh, it's funny It's funny because I would always try to find a copy of Return to Oz, and I called the call video stores when I was a kid. And they're like, oh, yeah, we have it here. I remember walking into the video store and looking down, and I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like this animated return to Oz from the sixties. So I think they had a rights issue. I don't know yeah. what the rights issue was, but in that movie, um, the, the scarecrow, the tin man, and the cowardly lion have different names. Huh? Scarecrow's named like Socrates. The tin man's named like, um, something else. The cowardly lion's named dandy. And I'm like, that's so weird. And it's when they say return to Oz, boy, the Wicked Witch comes back, steals their heart, steals the brain, steals their courage, and they have to go back and and get the all three again. Oh, that's so tiresome. I'm like, first of all, it's a metaphor. God damn it, it's not. It's not a literal, literal. Yeah. Like even with thirty nine, they 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 they're like, oh, it's a metaphor. It's a met- metaphorical heart. You had it the whole time. But but this it's a very literal. It's it's bad. <laughs> yeah. So like Ooh. so much of what I admire with Return to Oz, it's not it's not just a freaking retread. 
Right. Even with Journey Back to Oz, they... Oh, that movie is so weird. The the movie is a a mommy who's voiced by Ethel Merman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Is trying to take over Oz because her cousin in the Wicked Witch died. And she's trying to take it over with an army of green elephants. I don't know what... I, I, I guess they were just thinking from an animation perspective, a bunch of green elephants look good. Yeah. And you could duplicate, I guess. But it is so... Uh, oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. The duplication in this movie, man. The animation reuse. Alex, hear me out. You and I need to watch that movie live on stream and, like, live react for everyone. When I would so be down because that movie is... that That's what that's happens so... when you try to just make 39 again. And don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think that movie is actually a lot of fun, but it is so weird. Yeah. Also, let's, you know, I believe the 80s were the point where we start, you know, they were starting to remake a ton of films from the 30s, 40s, and 50s Mm. in the late 70s and 80s. And they were trying to make them carbon copies while make them something so completely different. And it's a really interesting study of like what you do and do not need to do with film. Right. Um, I was listening to another podcast today where they were talking about the differences between the sissy Spacek Carrie and the Chloe grace moretz carry and the like weird graphically gross things they did with the glory uh the chloe grace moretz carry that were beyond unnecessary right um i mean and it's even when they did the the made for tv carry in the 90s that they when they did that remake as well like it's those things of you like that original is jarring enough you don't need to do anything more graphic or more different well, um, well that's the thing the wizard of oz has become such like a sacred cow Yes. Like, yes. People people love to tap dance around it, but very, very few dare to like touch it. Well, and you know the only ones that dare to touch it is fucking Disney, and maybe they should stop. Like, well, and uh, and Legends of Oz, Dorothy. Um, oh the, God, who made that one? That so so that movie was a pyramid scheme. I don't know if you heard every. I, I listened to a video, video, uh, where they got deep into it. That like basically they were telling everyone that this is going to be the new Wizard of Oz, and we're defrauding investors. Oh my god! Like, like they they signed on big people for it, and we're using the their names as like um, as like uh, false flags. Like, oh look, oh, Leah Michelle's here. Uh, literally, let's talk about this cast for a second. Leah Michelle, Dan Aykroyd, Jim Belushi, Kelsey Grammer, Hugh Dancy, Megan Hilty, Oliver Platt, Patrick Stewart, Bernadette Peters, and Martin Short. Are you kidding me? It, like on paper, that movie sounded like perfection. It's terrible. <laughs> it, it's so oh, bad. It is terrible. The toys didn't even sell because nobody went to see it. Uh, I, I, I bought a couple of them. I did too. I because I wanted the China, the little China girls. Megan Hilty, come on now. I, I think I, I have a scarecrow and Dorothy in my closet. I mean, granted, yes. I bought them very much when they were on clearance. Oh yeah, I did too. I think I paid three dollars <laughs> for the China girl. Uh, yeah, I, I paid think. like Wait, a, was... a dollar oh, yeah. for each of them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But but that sounds correct. I, I'll see if I can find that video where they're just like, yeah, it was a pyramid scheme and uh, like. 
Yeah. But like, why would you do that with a movie, especially a musical movie? Like so much has to go into it. I don't well, understand. Well, if you look online, the, the amount of money they, they took from investors for that movie, like, I think they said basically the movie cost like $2 million to make. And Oh, wow. But they took a lot of money. Yeah, well, because they budgeted it at, at $70 million is what the budget was. Legend of But, but it's oh i'm seeing all the articles about it though oh hundred they took over a hundred million dollars yep. from investors holy shit are you reading the rap article right now uh the variety i'm reading the variety article. so so rap rap has an article uh cartoon brew legend of odds investors who each paid a hundred thousand dollars believe hollywood conspiracy destroyed film Um, the movie plummeted 48% and ended its uh, sophomore frame with $1.9 million. Yep. Uh, it's the final weekend in theaters. It made $36,000. <laughs> <laughs> I also just want anything with Liam Michelle to fail. So like good on him. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred million dollars and made 9 million at the box office. With a seventy quote unquote seventy million dollar budget, because that's still a discrepancy of thirty million dollars. Yep. Do you know what I could do for thirty million dollars? Yeah. Do you know what I could do? I could build my own haunted mansion. So and still have money left over. Apparently, a lot of it has to do with um um this guy. Uh, I don't want to get like too much into like the conspiracy theory hole. Yeah. But like, it's out there. Yeah. Uh, that's why. It's apparently this guy um Centino. I don't know. Wow. Apparently there was like Santino Rice? Th- no, there was like a false LLC. I'm I'm reading it right now. <gasps> well, that happened when they were trying to do the Rebecca Diorne Demorne Rebecca on Broadway and it was literally just to defraud people millions of dollars. So and they even like they went as far as funding an out of town workshop. Like it's wild. So I'm reading it right now. Florida businessman Greg Centineo, who's actually Noah Centineo's dad. No. Yeah. Oh, that's why it's the kid's a little fucker. Okay. <laughs> who who it. had owned a coffee shop and previously worked in real estate became heavily involved in fundraising for Legends of Oz in 2007. So th- this movie he was funding in 2007. When did this movie come out? 2014, maybe. That's seven years. Yeah. That's a long. That's a long haul to fuck shit up. According to the well, insider like involved with the production and the source of knowledge of the fundraising centineo began throwing fundraising parties to solicit investors according to multiple sources many of these investors were unaccredited they projected anywhere from 720 million dollars to 2.4 billion gross revenue on film content alone theatrical home video and cable Yeah, it's not a fucking Avengers film. Like, Leah Michelle can't sell... I mean, fuck off. Like, that's crazy. But, I mean, if you're going to do it on a property... I mean, Todrick Call did the exact same thing. Right. He did that modern Wizard of Oz, quote-unquote, musical and ripped parents off to the tune of, like, $5 million. Yeah. And then skipped town and was never held responsible. <laughs> yeah. Until he burned through all the money. Uh, so, I, I guess Wizard of Oz... uh 
loves to uh, attract wizards. Well, when we're talking about a uh, uh, property with staying power, like, come on. Yeah. This, Oz has fucking staying. I mean, there's a reason why this is one of the most go-to musicals for regional theaters and educational theaters. Right, because people know like, it. It has, it has and you can record. put a thousand kids in it. You can put a thousand kids in it and you've got everybody, you know, um, it does have the superior song that was cut from the movie Jitterbug, which I love. I what? love the Jitterbug. You, um, you know, what's funny um, to, to get into uh, like other weird Oz adaptations. Um, t- the Tom and Jerry Wizard of Oz movies. <gasps> yeah. So, well, and then you, and then you have Muppets Wizard of Oz. Well, but with the Tom and Jerry, the first one's just, just the Wizard of Oz, but with Tom and Jerry. Yeah. And then they did a second one that is a sequel to the Wizard of Oz with Jason Alexander as the Gnome King. And they brought <sighs> in the Jitterbug. Oh, yeah. They brought in the Jitterbug and they used the Jitterbug film scene in the second Tom and Jerry Wizard of Oz. I was like, this is such a weird way to bring the Jitterbug back in. Yeah. Also, they have a, they have so a really weird. good cast too. What's his name? Who's Genie on Broadway? Um, James Iglehart. Yeah, he's in he's in the the Tom and Jerry Back to Oz, and he does a really good job. Of course, he is. That's not surprising to me at all. But it's it's funny because that first one, it's like okay, it's just the Wizard of Oz with Tom and Jerry. It's whatever. The second one, it's pretty fun. <laughs> I, I, I can't say that it's it's great or anything, but it's pretty fun. Yeah. But the fact they did stuff like that, like Jason Alexander as the Gnome King, playing with the Jitterbug, they're playing with stuff that people don't normally play with. Yeah. It's not just the Wizard of Oz again. That that right. was the that was the biggest detriment of Legends of Oz. It was just the Wizard of Oz again. Except... I, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, we talked about this last time when we talked about this time, I get why there's the staying power of Oz, but right. I don't get why when people are looking for a selling point, this is the first place they go. Uh, like, like, like how much money did they promise investors? Uh, like billions of dollars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, but I guess people think wizard of Oz and they know that it's going to sell. So they just do. I, I don't. I don't get it. It's so funny beca- also, because, like, um, I was when I was reading that article, they were like, "Yeah, they brought up uh, posters of Toy Story and Finding Finding Nemo in the Incredibles." I was like, "You should have brought Journey Back to Oz and Return to Oz, like, like put both of those posters up." Like, how much money did both of these mo- movies lose? <laughs> that is very funny. I don't think oh, Return to Oz ever made its money back. Maybe no, maybe on, on home video. Well, okay, so we can come back to it and talk. Sure. Home video, the problem was it was one of the first movies released on home video for Disney, and it was sold for $78.95 a VHS yep. copy. Like, well, no one had that money. $79.95. Well, it's funny because... And then it didn't come back out till 1992. It's the, the people that I know that came across it were the ones who, who saw it at video rental stores. Yeah, it was a video rental, like, like, um, I forgot the word. Not like a namesake, but like a steady. Like it was a, yes, it, it was, was a steady find at video rental places. 
it was one of the few Disney movies that you could find in video rental stores because Disney fought home video for a very, very long time. Until oh, yeah. They... Well, because that's another great Defunct Land video is Disney's war on home video until they realized that they couldn't beat Sony. Yeah. So they joined them <laughs> and released movies. But like, well, I don't. The other thing that's so weird is like they, they, they flip so much on Return to Oz. Return to Oz ends up buried. It ends up in the vault. Yep. Um, yep, so because even on Disney Vault, even on Disney Plus, it's it's referred to in the section as the from the vault film stuff. Yep, is is where it. There is know, a DVD is out that you can pretty regularly find. Um, yes, they put out a Blu-ray which I own, which uh, was a Disney uh, Disney Club exclusive that I bought off eBay. Yes, it, was. it is the most bare bones Blu-ray. Yep, I I put it in last night and it was like scene selection. Or play movie. I'm like, oh, I, I, I guess that's it. Well, what's funny is it was released in 2014 on DVD, um, which dropped the Anchor Bay Discs full screen version and added an anamorphic enhancement. But then also, like, every version of the movie has been released with like interviews, all of this extra content, and the and the Blu-ray release in 2015 was the first one that did not have it, and the 2004 was packed full of it. Oh yeah, the, the so Anchor Bay had a bunch confused. of on there, if I if I remember remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, you were you were like a lot of people who were just very very upset that like it just none of the content was there and they have all the content which is something. <laughs> it's so it's so funny, funny because whenever they talk to Walter Birch about it, he's like, okay, let's talk about it. He's just <laughs> like he loves wonder, to talk about it, but he's also just like you could see how tired he was from it. Yeah, cool because you could tell he's probably answered so many questions about it over the years that like he's just like i wanted it to be so good and you know what walter merch if you're listening one come on the show alex and i would love to chat with you please tea. it'll be lovely but also you could do the sound I think thing. You yeah you could it's probably better than what i would do <laughs> um but uh i love this movie and i you know i think i think we've said a lot about this movie i don't know if there's too much more we could say David i'm Dyer sure we could soundtrack. talk for hours about it yeah that that'd be the one other oh, thing that? the soundtrack's are fucking amazing oh yeah oh i love the score i think yeah. the film score of this is phenomenal oh, that yeah um, that's what i meant sorry oh yeah you're good no 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 the, the, you're good but i also just ordered the uh uh vinyl copy for 20 dollars of it off ebay so i have been trying to find to a cd copy for years i according to this they never made a cd copy of it they only did a uh, oh, a vinyl, vinyl pressing? Oh, okay. Yep. Well, then that explains so, why I never found it. Yep. Yeah, they didn't even do a uh, 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 tape tape disc. Video, uh, tape cassette. Yeah, audio cassette. <laughs> they didn't do a beta tape Whatever. either. No, they did release this on beta. Oh, it was God released on me. beta, laser. It was released on beta, laser disc, and VHS. I, I am proud to say I do not own the laser disc or the beta tape version. But I do have, like, multiple copies. I think I had the Anchor Bay DVD, the Disney release DVD, the Blu-ray, the, the VHS clamshell. God help me. I have, I have a problem. Well, but some of the VHSs have really cool art. Like, that's the thing is a lot of well, the art is really, really I, interesting. I believe the, it's a Drew Struzan poster. Yes. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, again, like so many big people. And, like, David Shire, the guy who did the soundtrack, he did the soundtrack for Zodiac. He did the soundtrack mm -hmm. for, 
like a bunch of like odd movies, like Monkey Shines. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. Um, no. Where uh, it's a George Romero movie where a uh, monkey uh, tries to kill a disabled person. <laughs> Oh what? <laughs> yeah, it's an evil monkey, and they hired um, they hired him as like a uh, animal uh, well, like a, what do you call it um, li- like a seeing eye dog, like a an assistant pet. But the yeah. but the monkey's evil, and he's trying to kill the 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 guy who's based who's an invalid. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> terrible. That's awful. That's awful. It, it's 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 but but the guys like try to tell people this monkey's trying to kill him and no one's believing him which that brings us back to what we were talking about right before we started recording about how how much dorothy is gaslit dorothy is gaslit this whole movie (laughs) if you like i know gaslighting is a really new concept for a lot of people but if you want to understand gaslighting dorothy's gaslit by every adult that she comes in contact with including mombi and the gnome king yep um which you know makes sense because it parallels the the gaslighting of the doctor and the okay so that is another thing i i guess as we start wrapping up sure i really liked that they kept with the idea that the people in dorothy's lives were also the people in oz right with the exception of aunt Em and uncle henry right um and so i thought it was really important that like the little girl was Ozma that rescued her, which I still like to think was actually Ozma. Um, but the little girl rescues her, and then it's the you know the the nurse is is Mombi, and the the evil doctor is the Gnome King. It's, it, it, it feels and, and even small stuff right. like like um like like uh the workers are the wheelers because you see oh they are the wheelers with yep. the gurney, mm-hmm. and then um Ozma gives Dorothy a pumpkin. And she and she names him Jack. Right. Though, okay, that is the one awkward scene that really chills me, and I don't know why, but it is really chilling. When Dorothy combs the non-existent hair on the pumpkin, it it upsets me to my core. But any kid that was left alone with unusual toys and didn't have many friends yeah. as a kid uh, knows exactly what that moment is. <laughs> and then minutes later, they're screaming through the asylum. Those screams are, yes. are freaking haunting, man. They are. Well, I mean, you know, there's nothing warm and fuzzy about about a turn of the century insane asylum, no. like a sanatorium. There is nothing. And and, and it's funny because Ozma says a line. It's something like, "Oh, they're they're the people it didn't work right for," or something like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like like it just puts me on edge that I was watching this at three years mm-hmm. old. <laughs> It makes me. It makes me actually think about. There's a prison house in uh, Georgia that's like this. That it was like the the mayor's court. Like it was like the town official lived there, and then under it were these catacomb um, cells, like the jail, the local jail that like flooded when it rained, and so there would be like full political parties happening upstairs like what like giant dinner parties while people are being tortured downstairs oh and it's one of the most haunted places in georgia they talked about it on um my favorite murder and it is wild but like again practices of the time it's not right but it's what they did but it yeah. is so fucked now like it's so fucked well like, th- that's even... the thing that's so nice with um with with return to oz is um everyone in the movie patronizes dorothy but the movie does not patronize its audience. 
which is so important. Right. Which, and I think makes a really good all ages film. Right. I would argue with the exception of his being kind of scary. This is a true all ages family film yeah. in a way where everybody's kind of pull something different out of it. And I would argue that this probably was really effective in getting the teenage and young adult audiences in that Disney was having a hard time getting in. Right. Like I can't imagine being uh, alive in the eighties and being a 20 something and going, Oh, this shit looks good. Let's, let's go see this fucked up movie. It's funny because like um, when you compare it to the other fantasy movies of the eighties, which I love all of them, mm-hmm. but it has such a tight structure. Yes. Labyrinth and, and dark crystal. I mean, for, for a lot of it's the way they're made. It's a oh, lot of chaos. Yeah. It's a lot of chaos on mm-hmm. screen. Mm-hmm. And, they're not particularly in-depth stories, but they're also not particularly interesting stories. I think this is an interesting story. That's the thing. Right. I visually love Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. Oh, yeah. I do not find either of them as engaging movies. And often I will turn off Labyrinth about halfway through after Dance Magic Dance. I'm like, I'm bored. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's when but, Lubo's yeah. just like looking at you like... Lubo. <laughs> yeah, and then you just get the farting bogs, and you're like, nope, I'm done. We need a <laughs> fart joke. I'm done. Yeah. I'm going home. Uh, but, Alex, thank you for being on the show with me today. Do you have any last minute, last thoughts as we are wrapping up here? Um, no, I, I feel like we... Uh, I, I know I'll kick myself. I'll know I'm best at you in about 20 minutes. Like, oh, God, we never talked about blanks. <laughs> well, that's just when I have to have you back on again. Hey, <laughs> it, it, will, it would be an honor. It would, it would. Well, where can everybody find you online if you want them to find you online? Sure. Um, my Twitter is Alex is not right. Um, spelled like handwrite. Um, I am Alex writes on Letterboxd, which I use. God help me, I use that way too much. Which someone else should use it. I don't know who, but. Hint, hint. I am on there. I am on there. Well, add me. But I don't use it much. I don't use it much. That is my problem. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it. If you want to find me anywhere else, Great. don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe we've been friends for seven years? And it all started because I compared you to Alana the Lioness. Tamara Pierce really set the tone of our friendship. A love of magic. Briar Moss. Fantasy. Briar Moss. Powerful women. And of course, Briar Moss. I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And we invite you to join our circle of friendship. Where we do a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. We answer important questions like, how does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives? Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... Thank you for joining us for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. This has been Return to Oz with Alex Dagger. Alex, thank you for being on the show. As always, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and download on your favorite podcast platform. Even leave us playing for a couple 10 hours. Let us get those play ratings up. You guys are making sure that we are continually on the film history charts in North America, as well as the UK and Australia. You all are amazing. Thank you. We cannot thank you enough. And coming in February to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. 
we are going to have a mega CPOV crossover event between Saturday Morning Confidential, Another Pass podcast, Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff, and Let's Rewatch. I can't wait for you all to hear what we have in store for you. As always, there are lots of fun things coming. Follow us on all social media. Follow the link trees on our Instagram and our Facebook. Giving $2 or more a month on Patreon lets us know that you love what we are doing. We have... Join us this coming Wednesday for the Serial Killer Radio Hour as I sit down and talk queerness, representation, and the morphing grid with indie wrestling sensation DJ Summers, who is Danny Martinez. Well, I had so much fun with Danny. I cannot wait for you all to hear. Now, as always, join us next time for another deep dive in the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV CertainPOV.com